All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today I have the privilege to bring the word to you, and I thank the pastors for giving me the opportunity um, to present this sermon to you. Um, and I, as, as you prepare for a sermon, when I was told to to preach, in your mind you you start getting a bunch of ideas. What do I want to preach about? What do we need to hear about? And um, you think scripture, right? What would be the perfect scripture to, to present? And time goes by and you have like ten scriptures. You have ten sermons ready. And then we, you know, pastor told me like, you should really talk about worship. And I said, okay. You know what? That's a, that's a, that's a beautiful uh, subject. So that's what I'm going to be preaching about uh, today. What is true worship? What is true worship? And the reason why I want to talk about this is because there's so many misunderstandings. There's so many uh, ideas out there about what worship is. A lot of people resume worship to be just coming on Sunday, we sing a couple of songs, we listen to a sermon, and we go home. Right? That's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think it's just the singing and the, the, the playing of the instruments. But worship is a lot more than just that. Uh, and we're going to go be using two scriptures uh, this morning. One is based on Psalm 8. Uh, we're in a series of um, Psalms and Proverbs. That's what we are actually talking about this month. And uh, Psalms in the Hebrew the rabbis called it the book of praises. And when you read Psalms, you understand why, right? It's full of songs and, and prayers. And, and uh, there's a lot of singing. There's a lot of music all over the Psalms. And that's why the rabbis of Israel, they called it the book of praises. Now, in the Greek, they called the Psalms but they related more to the plucking of an instrument. Uh, it can be a guitar, a sitar, it can be a mandolin, a banjo. When you, you're plucking the string, you're just plucking the string or twanging the string. That's what the Greeks call it, psalms, related again to music. And when I thought about speaking to you, and I'm thinking, we have a lot in common. You and I have a lot in common, regardless of where you're from. You can be from Nicaragua, you can be from Mexico, you can be from Minnesota, you can be from Europe. I don't know, Asia. And when I think about talking to you, I find it easy. I find it easy not to be up here. I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> but I find it easy because I'm going to be talking to you about the scriptures. You and I have that in common we share one savior right do we all believe that jesus saved us right we have been redeemed by his blood we have been healed we have been um, shaped up into a new creature so we have that in common regardless of where we're from and um we're gonna go to psalm 8 when I start reading um, this psalm, which is 
I find it the perfect example of praise and worship. And you may think, you know what, there's so many other scriptures that have a lot of praise and worship in it. But Psalm 8, David takes the time to describe the majesty of God. If you have your Bible or your cell phone or an iPad or whatever you're using this morning to read the scripture, we're going to go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And when I read it, it gives me chills the way he describes it. Lord, our Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how awesome, how just marvelous your name is in all the earth. He's not saying just in Israel. He's not saying just in my house. He's saying in all the earth. And when I think about David saying in all the earth, we know for a fact that David had not traveled far. I don't think David traveled far. Uh, I don't think he ever crossed an ocean. Right? But he knew that there, the earth was just not whatever he got to see, whatever was around him. There was a lot more to this beautiful creation that God had made. He never visited. He never saw it. But he says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. He's sitting in, in a throne in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants... You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. How is it this is God revealing to mankind? Through the praise of children, through... I don't know if you have seen a baby lately. I don't know if you have nieces or nephews or a grandkid. And when you see a child, a little baby, this baby is so fragile. It's fragile. If there is no one to care for this baby, um, they will run a danger. Right? If you don't have a babysitter. If you leave a baby, you cannot leave a baby alone for more than four hours, two hours. But God glorifies in that baby. And through the place of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. So God is in control of mankind all over, right? All over. He's in charge. He, he, he's taking care of the children and he controls the enemy. He has that power. God has that power. And then verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, David, when he wrote the psalm, I like to think that he, it was kind of like a late at night. He's describing the moon and the stars. The way he describes it, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, he plays, God plays, he has all this power to place everything in place. And... David didn't, get, didn't have the privilege that you and I have had. Again, at the beginning I said, 
David had only seen what, what he could see in Israel and the surroundings, right? We have the privilege that we have airplanes to travel, to go places. And whatever David saw, he described it so beautifully, right? David never got an opportunity to go to Hawaii. He never went to the Caribbean islands. He never saw Machu Picchu. He didn't visit the exotic places that you and I have been able to see. I don't think he ever saw the Niagara Falls. But whatever he saw, he just praised God and worshipped God from whatever his eyes could see. We have that privilege to be able to see nature and everything that God created in a much better way. And sometimes we have not probably never been to, but you'll see it on Facebook, you'll see it on TikTok, you'll see it on YouTube, the exotic places that you don't get to go to. And then um, David is describing the power of God and mankind. On verse 5, he says, You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. There is a huge difference, a huge distance from God and men. I'd like you to think if that this, this uh, earth is empty. Imagine that there's nobody in it. Just imagine a, a plain earth with just the animals and, and, and the sea and the trees and the forest, all that. Imagine there's empty. There's nobody in it. And God comes and creates you. And he places you somewhere in Yosemite or, I don't know. He sits you there. And you open your eyes, and what would you think? What would you, how would you feel about being that one particular human being just sitting there, just looking around? How massive is what God has done and how insignificant we are? It's something amazing that David does when he's describing everything that the Lord has done. And you're thinking, where is he going with this? We're talking about worship. Yes. When David describes the majesty of God, he's worshiping him. He's describing everything that he created. He describes the flocks and the herds and the animals on the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swims the paths of the seas. And he ends the psalm with the same verse that he started. Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So, this is the perfect example of worship. David describing God, giving God the glory all along, the whole time. That he's just, and all the Psalms do the same. They, they praise God, they worship God. But then again, this is the perfect example of worship. Now, the question is now, how do we worship? Or why do we worship? We're going to go to Romans um, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And 
Pastor Tim made a reference of this scripture last week when he talked about um, let's see. so this is how we we're supposed to worship God this is the way we are supposed to give him the, the true worship in verse 1 he says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He starts with therefore. Therefore, because he's starting a comment about something that he referred earlier on um, Romans 11. He ended Romans 11 with, for him everything was created by him everything was created he's referring to Jesus giving the glory to Jesus and then he says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy referring to everything that the Lord has done for you everything that God has provided you with he's, and at the beginning I said he is our healer, our savior our, our everything he is the God that has shown mercy to us. And then he says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In order for there to be a sacrifice, there's usually, and we see on, on the Old Testament, it refers to death. Something has to die in order for there to be a sacrifice. Uh, the people of Israel, they used to bring a sheep, uh, a fat sheep, and they would sacrifice it. Something had to die in order for their sins to be forgiven. For their sins to be washed away. There had to be some sort of death. So if Paul is telling us to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, what is he referring to? What is he trying to tell us? He said, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So what we need to do, or what we have to do in order to offer Him the proper worship is, we need to die. Our desires have to die. Our huge wishes have to die. I want, you aim for the best and you want to buy an expensive car. You want to buy a $2 million home. You want to get a PhD in some sort of uh, degree. And these are desires of your heart. These are your wishes. But a lot of times we have to say no. A lot of times we have to die. Everything in ourselves. He's asking us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's God's will. In order for something to be transformed, there has to be work done. Something that uh, my wife and I have done in the past five years, I think. There was a time during the pandemic that we had nothing to do. So we would go on Facebook and we would look for furniture. Like a little table or a chair. And um, one experience that we had, we wanted a couple of um, t 
tables for our uh, living room. And we looked on, on Facebook, and we found this deteriorated uh, little tables. They were loose, the legs were all loose, the paint had fallen off, and they looked in really bad shape. They looked in really bad shape. We said, you know what? Let's buy them. Let's buy them, and we'll have my dad restore them. And her, her dad is a fine carpentry guy. He does a lot of carpentry, beautiful stuff that he's done. And we would buy them, bring them to him, and say, Dad, can you, can you fix this for us? And he was like, sure, we, we can do it. And he would sand it. He would um, put new screws in it. He would um, carve a little bit of a design on the side. And you should see, I should have put pictures of that on, on the little slides of the type of work that he did. This old rusty chair, he would pick it up and he would just transform it. It would just look beautiful. And then my wife decided to sell them for more money. <laughs> so Paul is telling us to, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our minds? So we got to renew something. How do, how, do, how do we do renew it, right? A piece of furniture, we know how to do it. But how do we renew our minds? And why do we have to renew them? Because a lot of times we get so caught up with the things that the world practices. We get so caught up with uh, making money, working hard, long hours, starting a business, uh, doing so much, and the family and the kids and the grandkids. And we get so busy and caught up in all that and we forget about renewing our minds for God now how do we um, how do we renew our minds I found the scripture on Ephesians 5, 18 and 20 it says do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you renew your mind. Not getting drunk in wine, which is something that goes away. It vanishes. But be filled with the Spirit. How do, you, how do you fill yourself with the Spirit? Speaking to one another with psalms. And that's what we're doing here today. And that's what you guys do on Friday. Singing hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we come to understand that worship is not music. It's not just coming in and gathering on Fridays and, and Sundays, but it's an actual lifestyle. We live for Him, we walk with Him, and we don't just praise on Sundays. You praise on Tuesday when you're in your car, you play music, Christian music. If you are at work, hey, you can be, you know, if you have the time and, and the ability to read or, or uh, the scripture or listen to music, you do that. You fill yourself with the Spirit. Singing and making music 
Bring my heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father. Everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, bottom line is, worship is not just singing. It's not just um, playing instruments. It's a daily walk with Jesus. We walk with Him. We live for Him. We have, with Him, we have been crucified. He died for us. Now we die to ourselves. We die to our uh, passions, the things that we carry along, and they're not beneficial for us. I want to end this uh, sermon with um, a reading on Galatians 2.20, and I believe it's going to be on the screen. And I want you to read it with us, uh, to read it with me. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise and worship. True worship is giving your heart to him, serving him, living for him, renewing our minds, practicing all the things that we do, reading psalms, singing songs, and spending time in the Word. Amen? Let's go and pray. We give you thanks, Lord, for this amazing day that you have given us and for the opportunity that you give us to be here, sharing the Word, sharing um, the Scriptures, Lord, for the, the biggest tool that you have left for us, where we find advice, where we find life, we find the truth. We find out about your Son and the sacrifice that He did for us through the Scriptures. And we have been filled with the Spirit that you have given us to have power to testify about you, Lord. Um, we give you thanks on this uh, beautiful Sunday and um, allow us, Lord, to go home and, and take us home safely, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.